Glory to God. Are you expecting right now? That was weak. You guys, you guys awake? Are you awake? You know this isn't a spectator sport, right? We don't just say that to say that this is true. If you're expecting, then you're drawing on him, which draws it through whoever's speaking. If you don't, I don't care what I have in me, it's not going to come out. And you could just, it's amazing how when people pull, oh, stuff that you don't, you don't even think about comes out. And it's because he's ministering. We're just the vessel he, he flows through. <clears throat> well, we have been in a series for some time. We um, didn't cut, didn't. Didn't speak on this last week, but we've been in a series called In His Name. I believe this is part five, uh, but let's just read a few scriptures real quick. Real quickly, you don't have to um, turn to these, but we'll read a few scriptures and then we'll go on. Mark sixteen fifteen says, uh, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And then he says he'll do all these things. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink any, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's in his name that we do these things. And it's in his name that we go into all the world and preach the gospel. In his name means that we are representatives of him. We do it on his behalf. We do it by his strength. We don't do it in our own power. We don't do it in our own ability. We are extensions of Him on this earth. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So he said, Every, all authority has been given to me. You go therefore. So he is delegating authority there. He said, it's all been given to me. You go. It's the same uh, when we talked about this. We're not going to cover everything we've covered, obviously. And you need to go back and listen to those messages because we're building on where we've come from. But just in review to help us get moving on the same page we need to understand that Jesus is the head of the church and we are part of the church and we are to do his work on the earth as if he were here. But we're doing it in his authority. We say in his name, it says that here, in his name is not a tagline that we put on the end of a prayer. It literally means in his authority. In his name means in his stead. If you go do something in Jim Preston's name, it's as if Jim Preston were doing it. If I, sent, if I told you, here's the money, here's the resources, here's uh, the, the authority, go do this, that's as if I were doing it. And that's what Jesus has done with us, is that he has said, all authority has been given to me, now you go. So he was delegating and commissioning us to do his work on the earth. It is not, we're not doing this work uh, in our own strength. We're not doing the work just out of our own resources, we're supposed to hook up with him and do what he's asking us to do. And if we're doing what he's asking us to do, all that we need to do it is there. 
Where we get into trouble is when we try to make up something or think we got to do what we want to do. Well, now it's you doing it. Now it's me doing it. It's not the same as us doing on behalf of him. It's you doing it on behalf of you. And then it, then it doesn't have any punch behind it. You may get something done. People do it all the time, and they're not doing it in the name of God. But when all the dust settles, uh, when everything is said and done, the only things that are going to stand are the things that were done in the name of the Lord and for the kingdom of God. And for the good of people, eternally. Amen. You can help somebody on this earth, but if you don't point them to Jesus, ultimately, they're going to perish. We can't, this is another sermon, but we cannot substitute just, quote-unquote, helping people without giving them the source. And a lot of a lot of the church, unfortunately, has done this. I'm not against helping people. You want to help people, but you can't just say that's all there is. Because a lot of people that don't serve the name of God at all, name of Christ, are saying, well, we're doing the work of God. Well, in a way, but you're not giving them the source. And eventually, I mean, for eternity, they're going to be lost. No, we need to give them Jesus. And Jesus, the source, will enable them to get everything else they need. But we are to do all our work. We're, gonna, we're supposed to do, any work we do is supposed to be commissioned by Him. It's not supposed to be what we want to do, what we like to do. It doesn't, it's supposed to be what He asks us to do. That means you don't like, that does not mean that you won't like what He asks you to do. It doesn't mean you won't want to do it. It just means you don't let those things drive you. You do what he would ask you to do, regardless if you like it, you feel like it, and ultimately it will be the most fulfilling thing. But how many of you know doing anything, even in the natural, even if it's what you ultimately want to do, they're not all parts of it are just rosy. You know, if you've ever been dedicated to become better in anything, whether it's a sport, whether it's a subject, you may ultimately play an play in a, uh, uh, instrument. People, a lot of people want to play an instrument or they want to be good at a sport, but they don't want to pay the price to do any of the scales or practice or drills or whatever. They just want to get to where they're, you know, they're, they're faking out people on the field. They just want to get to where they can play everything. But there's a lot of stuff that's not that fun that it takes to get to where you can do something fluently in real time, either in a game or in a performance or whatever, right? Well, God is, if we look at Him, He has a plan for our lives. And ultimately, He can talk to you about something and say, I'd like you to do this. Or you have a glimpse way off. You have an impression you want to do this. You know what a lot of people do? They start trying to do the end game instead of try, just taking care of uh, what God has asked them to do, do, to do now. Because may, you may get an impression of something way out there, but then He asks you to do such and such now. And if we're going by our head... People, you know, people will go, what? I don't want to do that. This is what I'm supposed to do. And they won't look, but yeah, but God wants you to do this. He is putting everything together, and He knows what it takes for you to do this, is it's going to do this, 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 this. And it may not, I've heard many people that have walked with God much longer than I have uh, say. They didn't see how everything fit together, but then 
and they were doing the plan of God for their life step by step. And then as they, they started to step into God's ultimate will, all the pieces of their life started falling in. They could see why they needed to do this, why they needed to do this, why do they need to do this. And it all started harmonizing into a, co- a cohesion that there's no way they could see from their limited perspective walking through things. But God all the time had a plan and a purpose and a goal and was bringing them toward an end. So what do we need to do? Whatever he says to do, do that now. Because if you trust him, he has a plan. It may not make sense to you, but don't ever say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm called to do this, such and such. You disqualified yourself from that ultimate goal because you won't do what is in front of you. A person can do that. Well, I'm called to such and such. I won't do this. I won't do this. This is below me. That's the wrong attitude. It ought to be whatever you want me to do. I remember a, a certain person that was an associate minister and then a teacher travels around uh, nationally and, and known, uh, at least in our circles at this point, internationally known. Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, one of the teachers at, at Rhema, he, he would talk about when he started out, he was an associate pastor in a, a different church there in Tulsa. And One of his things is he cleaned the bathroom, cleaned out toilets, and he had no problem doing it. People say, that's beneath me. If it's the work of, if it's making it nice so that people have a place to go and it's clean and uh, is a reflection on on the, the place where people meet to worship God, it is important. And if we have the attitude, well, something is just, it's not, it's not as important as other things. We're missing it. The Bible says he who would be you know, a leader would, would be the servant of all. Jesus laid down his life for all of us, and he is over all. His name is above every name. So it's not about what we think we ought to do. It's not about what... We'd like to do, it's what is he asking us to do? And from my experience, and again, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have all experience, so I, I look to people that have been further than me. Uh, you might get a glimpse of something out in the future, but God's going to lead you step by step. And what we, when we get in trouble is we try to make what we see a glimpse of now, but God is going to lead us step by step and show you a little bit at a time. And you may say, well, why should I do that? I can't see further. You won't see any further until you take the next step. It takes faith. See, when we get too far, we try to map out the whole thing. And we start acting like the world and try to get a plan for every little thing. God's not against planning. You just have to have His plan. And a lot of times we get in, the head, uh, get in our head and try to make uh, it... We try to work with our plan. Well, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll figure out this way. He's already got the plan figured out. What do we need to do? Take it step by step and walk out his plan for our life. The good news is we don't have to understand everything perfectly. That's his job. Isn't that a relief? You realize you don't have to understand, you know, people, that uh, students, um, we... You've heard me say this before. We don't have to tell our our children and our students that you have to find, uh, you have to figure out what you're supposed to do in life. You know what we need to do? Go to God and find out what He would have you to do, next steps, where does He have you going, and then hook up with that. You don't have to take all the, you can take personality tests and there's nothing wrong with that, but if something tells you, 
uh, you don't, you're not really suited for something, but you feel in your heart God is telling you you're suited for something, go with what God says because He's not... He's not limited by personality, by your uh, skill profile, any of that stuff. That can help, but it's not, it's not the dictator. It's not, it's not what dictates what you do. We're gonna look at, I, I think we're going to look at a, few, a little bit of that. God calls us to do what he would have us to do, and how many of you know he's smarter than us? anybody in the room that would acknowledge God is smarter than you and it's not even like it's not even a rational statement really to say he's smarter than us. I mean it's you know somebody another human may be smarter than another human but we're not even in the same class or league that God is in. it's not like he's a little bit smarter <laughs> it's not like he's a hundred times smarter he's infinitely smarter and more vast. He's just, he's infinite. We, we as humans don't have a clue. And we'll get a clue if we start looking to what he said, because then we act like we have a clue. Because he knows exactly what he's talking about. And so you're bum, you know, we're walking through life. If we'll just say, God, what, what's the next step? Uh, and go with that. You don't have to know what's going to happen 20 years from now. You can't. But he knows. And so he can put all these pieces together. We don't have to know everything. Isn't it a relief to know we don't have to know everything? Amen. We can rely on the one that is much smarter than us, takes every little bit of who we are, where we're going to be, who we're going to run into, this infinite amount of data. He already knows this is what you need to do. You can't run any tests on it to figure that out because people don't know the future. But he knows. So when we're doing something in his name, it's whatever you would have me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Here we go. And Lord, I'm trusting you to make it all work together. But I don't go by what I see in the natural. I don't go by what I feel. I don't go by my likes and my dislikes. Uh, we read a couple of these scriptures, but let's just read um, these real quick. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, let's look, uh, 6 verse 1, let's look at it, the New King James, and then we'll look at it in the New Living Translation real quick. It says, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. As workers together with him. We're working with him. That means he's working with us. That means we need to do what he would ask us to do. You see, if we're off doing our own thing, he's not working with us. He'll, he'll help as much as he can, but see, he didn't ask us to do that. Well, I don't want to do this. I don't see the point. Well, now you're working alone. And it's not, again, just like you're working alone as if you, you know, like instead of working with another human, you're working alone as if it's half as good. You just lost out on working with the Almighty. So he can leverage whatever little bit you give him, and be, it can be multiplied so much. So we don't want to be working on our, by ourselves ever. Ever. Well, I'm, gonna take, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to do my own stuff. Why? Do you realize if this is the level that you're able to work with God, do you realize just what happened when you went off by yourself? 
It just went through the, the floor. The potential went through the floor. He's going to work with us as much as we'll allow him to work. And as we get more and more of the word in us and more uh, you know, further in his plan, we can allow him to work more and more. But you take him out, it's just you. I don't care how smart you are, you are it, the potential is not the same as you and God. Ever. It's not even worth talking about. I don't care who you have around you. I don't care who you hook up with. If you, if you go away from him to hook up with somebody else, that's a huge demotion. It's not even worth talking about how big the gap is. So anything we do is in his name, not in our name, not in our ability. We are workers together with him. We read this before uh, in the New Living Translation. It says, as God's partners. Well, if you're a partner, you know, my kids, you know, all kids, they have, they have partners in school. Sometimes you have group projects. Well... What's supposed to happen is that people work together to get something done. But as a partner, you're supposed to have equal share in something to get it moving. Well, God, I, just to see this in writing as God's partner, that means we're working with him. We ought to always consider it an honor and privilege for that even to be a possibility because it was not a possibility like it is now. We're going to read some potentially stuff in the Old Covenant. These are to, to give us examples. But what we have now is amazing. And we need to, under, we, we need to um, reverence that and always make sure that we are, are doing what He would have us to do to the best of our ability. And you know the good news is? He'll work with you. Where you're at now, and he's an intelligent being, you're an intelligent being, and if we'll just go before him, he'll help us. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad we don't have to be perfect for him to use us? Everybody on the planet would be disqualified. Do we realize that? If God were waiting for a perfect person for, to, to use, he would never use anybody. Jesus was the only perfect person that ever walked the earth. So he's not waiting for us to be perfect. Thank God. He'll give you something you can do now and act on now. And as you do something with that, you'll, you'll grow, you'll become qualified for more. Praise God. Let's look at this scripture. John 15, verse... 1. John 15, verse 1. We can go ahead, and go ahead and turn there. This is one we didn't look at before, and we're really what I want to get to today. John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now let's just read through this section and then we'll come back to some of this, okay? Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this then, or by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. It's not easy to be pruned. But what's the point of pruning? It's so that we can bear more fruit. God is going to use you and me, whatever we give Him, as much as we give Him, to bear fruit. And then guess what? To bear more fruit, we're going to have to be pruned. And that's not, I'm not going to focus on that part as much today, but just know it's not always easy or desirable what God is going to have you to do the next step. It doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean you're wrong, and it doesn't mean that you're not going anywhere. It just means you're getting set up for more. But if we think it's always just going to be jumping up and down time in our life, we can thank God and praise Him at all times, Thank God, but everything and, and enjoy every part, but some things you're you're dealing with, your flesh doesn't like to be crucified. But if we're going to bear more, we gotta put it down. We gotta put it in its place. We gotta renew our mind. And it's not all about what we're doing. We're cooperating with Him. Remember, we are partners with Him. And as we're partners with Him, for us to reach maximum potential, He is gonna work with us to get things out of the way that would hinder us. But we need to rely on Him that He knows what He's doing, that if He asks us to do something, we're capable of doing it. That we can do it, that we can come up, that we can go further, that we can do maybe what we haven't done before because He's helping us. He's, helping us. He's our partner. We can never lose sight of the fact that what we're doing, we're doing on His behalf, or ought to be. When we start doing our own thing, that's a different story. And that's what these verses are about. Jesus has some strong words here. He said, verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Can you see that? You, you stay close to Him. If we're doing, see, we're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Our mission is to do what He would have us to do, to share the gospel, to help people uh, grow up in Him, to have a relationship with Him, number one. Well, that's what we are to be about doing, and do our portion of that is what He, would, what he asks us to do. 
And he said, as you're doing this, you need to abide in him and let him abide in us. Otherwise, this thing does not work. It doesn't work to do the Lord's business when we're not hooked up with him. That's called religion. When we take him out of it and we're just going through the motions, that's empty. Why? Because everything we do is on his behalf. Ministry is not your ministry. It's his ministry. You're just the vessel it's flowing through. So see, he'll go, son, daughter, I want you to do this today, the next week, this month. Get involved here. Well, as you're doing that, you're doing it with his strength. You're doing it with his help. You're doing it with his ability. But he's actually doing it through you to minister and to, to make something happen. It's his ministry. All, the, all the, the ends of the ministry are all going through people, but it's actually him flowing through us if we know to hook up with him. Where it starts becoming dead is when, oh, well, we serve a God, but I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to do it on my own, and, you know, we're just doing this because it's the way we always done. Well, then he's not doing it. It's you kind of doing it, and then there's no life. That's not the church. The church is alive. The church is alive because it's the Christ is alive, and the Christ is the minister. It's just we're hooking up with him. He said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So you can't, he just said, you can't bear fruit by yourself. Can you do something in the natural? Of course you can. People do it all the time. That's not the same as the king of the universe asking you to do something and you bearing fruit for the kingdom. That's, gonna, that's going to remain for all eternity. What you did has eternal value if it's his work. That means he was ministering through you. That means his will was accomplished on this earth. And that means it was helping somebody because his will will always be helping people and bringing them closer to himself in some form or fashion. And so it had eternal value. That's the type of fruit he's talking about. That fruit will stand. The rest of this stuff is just going to be burned up. I don't care if it's the biggest organization on the face of the earth that men are saying that's awesome. It will be forgotten in the big scheme of things because we're going to be in the presence of the Almighty. He said, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, bear, it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So what's he saying? You need to be hooked up with me, stay close to me, walk with me, because I'm the one that's going to help you do what you need to do, which is partnering with me to do what I have for you in this earth. And you can't do that alone. You need to be hooked up with me because I'm the one that's going to do it through you. And when I'm doing it through you, you can do things that you could not do alone. Now let's turn over real quick. Hold your place there. Can you hold your place in John? But go ahead and go over to Exodus. Exodus 3 verse 1.
Exodus 3, verse 1. This is the account of Moses and the burning bush. So, we're going to read a little bit of this, so I uh, hope that's okay. Let me skip over a little, uh, some of it, but just read, let's just read it together. So verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why, does this, why the bush does not burn? So let's just stop right here. Moses is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So he's out with sheep, and he's been out there for many years, and he was in Egypt. He was raised in Pharaoh's house, but Moses, and I'm not knocking Moses at all, this, the Bible says the Old Testament is given for our examples. We're supposed to look back and understand in the light of the new what, they weren't born again like we are, but the Bible says to look and to understand and get instruction for what, from what is in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Moses got ahead of what God was doing and tried to be the deliverer in his own strength. If you remember, he killed the Egyptian. We're not going to go back and read that if you want, but we're not going to really cover that part today. But remember corresponding to what we just, taught, we just covered a little bit earlier today, he felt that God was calling him to be a deliverer and to do something. He sensed that he was going to be doing something for, these, for his people. But he didn't do it God's way. He ended up killing somebody. And then... You know, people found out about it, so he got out of there. So he's 40 years out, the backside of the, you know, the wilderness. And so that's where this is picking up. God did have something for him to do. He needed to work some things out, though, in Moses. Well, he needs to work stuff out in us, too. God's plan has timing. God's plan has timing. Amen. You know, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And there was a guest minister in our church there at Abundant Life Family Church in Lincoln. And um, he was ministering. And at the end of the service... Uh, you know, I think he was, he was saying some different things, um, just uh, ministering a little bit in general. I can't remember exactly what was going on, but it was, he, he wasn't preaching anymore. And I believe he was just speaking. And so I had my eyes closed and I was in the front. I think you were probably next to me too. I mean, I don't know that you would have been back in the children's or whatever, but maybe. But I just remember, I think you were out there. But I remember being there and having my eyes closed, and then he, he started saying them some things, and I thought he was speaking generally, and then I realized he's right in front of us. I think you had to be there. 
yeah, you'll know. And he started, the words started coming out of his mouth, timing is everything. With God. With God, timing is everything. And he started speaking some things into us, over us, by the Spirit of God. But at that time, we were looking at different things and just kind of an unsettled in our hearts. And this was like a year before we went to Rhema. So this would have been, I don't know, 2002-ish. I think it was at the beginning of 2002, and somewhere around there. And we were just unsettled about where, where are we going to do, where are we going to go, and just like, you know, do we need to do something else, whatever. And he spoke some things into us, but he started out with the timing is everything, and it just settled us. We realized, nope, we're doing what we need to do. We just need to keep going. We need to stay on track. Let's just, and just keep going. And it settled us. And a year later, we were preparing to go to Rama, But the timing was important. For when we go, you don't just jump into what God has for you just because you may get a glimpse and you know something's coming or even what he starts to speak to you about next steps. The next question is when? When do you do it? it if, if it's the right thing to do in the wrong timing, it becomes the wrong thing. It's no longer his will. It's the wrong timing. It becomes out of his will. And we need to be conscious of that fact. Don't get in a hurry with God. God's not in a hurry. See, Moses was ready to get the thing done now. The man was raised in the Pharaoh's home. He was educated with everything that they had to offer. He was wise in a worldly way. But he, he's going to get her done. He knows what to do, he thinks, and what did he do? He messed it up, and he had to get out of town for a while, long time, and God's growing him up, and he's already old, not super old, but he's getting older, but he's learning. And he's getting prepared for what God actually has for him. It's the right thing, but it was the wrong way, and it was the wrong time. Therefore, it was the wrong deal. God wasn't having him do just that. We need to understand it's his deal we're doing, so we are an extension of him. It's not like, ooh, okay, I got that. Now I'm going to run God. No, that's not doing it with him. That's you running out ahead of him, and that becomes wrong. I think Brother Hagin would say, you know, if you, if you go, if you're slower and you let God, you're slow to make decisions and you let God lead you, then you can see Him out front. And you can know. If it's like, no, God's leading me there, God's, God will make it clear to you. And you can know you're doing the right thing and you can keep going and you'll know you can see Him leading. But if you get ahead of Him, you can't see him anymore. You're out front. You're out trying to do your own thing. It's better to be slower and be, because God's not in a hurry. He won't push you. But Satan will push you. Satan will put pressure on you. Satan will say, it's got to be done now. You're going to miss the opportunity now. If you feel that, it's not God. 
Because God can warn you way ahead of time what's going to happen, so when it starts happening, you're already ready. If you're feeling like this, it's, it's Satan will try to push. God won't try to push. He's not, he doesn't need to push. We push because we feel like we're going to miss something. We're going to miss the opportunity. Well, there is a timing. There is timing, like we were just saying, but it's not a fear timing. If God needs you to do it here, he can start dealing with you back here. If you just woke up this morning and now all of a sudden you think you need to do something that's going to turn your life around, I doubt very seriously it's God. You think you need to do it today and you just found out about it today. But if you're dealing, you know, it's kind of the background and God's prompting you and dealing with you and it's over time and it's coming up. God will make it clear over time. But God's not in a hurry. Remember, it's His work. We're partners with Him. We're to abide with Him and work with Him, and that's how we're going to bear fruit. It's not our deal. It's not get the assignment and just run by ourselves. It's get the assignment and walk every step of the way with Him. That's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to bear the fruit. So Moses here. So he said, I, he sees this bush, and he said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why does the bush not burn? So then Moses, the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he's afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God's come down to deliver him. He said, I have come down. God said, I have come down. He's talking to Moses about it, but he said, I'm doing this. Earlier, Moses is trying to do it. Do you see the difference? Now, we're talking about them working together. So verse 8, So I have come down to deliver them out of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And therefore, behold, I cry, the cry of the, ch the children of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. Basically, you're not anybody, but I'll be with you. Do you see that? He said, Who am I? He didn't even answer the question. He said, I'll be with you. In other words, I'm doing this. I'm asking you, and he's saying, who am I? He said, I'm coming in and doing this. Praise God. 
You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what is he doing and what are we going to do to, what is he asking us to do? Because when he asks us to do it, he's doing it. We're just the vessel. We're doing it in his name, in his authority. But it's him that's doing the work. That's why it's got to be his plan and his idea. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Notice that's after they're out. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, I, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of, of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is uh, my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generation. Then he says some other things about uh, talking to them and uh, about what's going to happen when they go out. Can you skip down to verse uh, 1 of chapter 4? Then Moses answered and said, so the Lord says a bunch of things to him, and you know, you're going to you know, tell, the, tell, um, tell the Israelites what you're going to do, and then the king of Egypt's not going to let you go, so I'm going to strike out, I'm going to uh, stretch my hand out and strike Egypt, and then the people are going to let you go, and you're not going to go empty-handed. So that's what he just got done saying. So we pick it up in verse or chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said, What is in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it to the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and he became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. He put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he took it out, drew it, and he said, Behold, and it was restored like other flesh. Then it said, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter side. Sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour down dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on dry land. So God is giving him steps. He's, he's asking questions. He's giving him steps. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. But notice God's working with him, and he's giving him the steps he needs. Now, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent... Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses is not understanding that it's not him that's doing it. It's God that's sending him. Don't you think God knows his current condition? He's asking him, and he's saying, you're going to do this. And he's asking, answering his questions, but he's saying... Well, yeah, but I can't speak well. So notice how God answers him. So he said, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said, who has made man's mouth? 
or of who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you, have to, you shall say. Notice what he said. He said, do you know who you're talking to? Don't I make the mouth? And then he did not, he didn't mess with, he didn't really, uh, he didn't cater to what Moses was saying at this point. He just said, now go. He gave him the answer, said, I'm God. I've been telling you I am the Lord. I made your mouth. Now go. It's not about him. It's not about Moses. It's about the Lord's going to do it. So if you called me to do this, you must know what you're doing. Now I'm going to step out and do what you told me to do. And I'm going to trust that you're going to help me. Should have been his response. Again, we're not knocking Moses. We're supposed to get instruction from this. Are we supposed to learn from... It's better to learn from other people's mistakes. Than to learn from your own. Because then you've got to pay for it. Some people, why insist on making your own mistakes? You're going to make other mistakes. You can make other mistakes if you didn't get counsel, but why make the same mistake you read somebody else? We don't have to make, I mean, you, you, it's not a bad confession. You're going to make some mistakes, okay? But we can learn as much as we can by reading and understanding what the Word says. So he said, now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Now Moses comes back and said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else you may send. So he's saying, I, I can't do it. Send somebody else. He's still thinking it's him. Now he is the vessel, but God is the one who's doing the work. Don't get your eyes on men. Verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now God's mad. Don't ever say, God is mad here. He's angry. Let's say God doesn't get angry. God gets angry. That doesn't mean he's unjust. But this is trying his patience because God has told him, this is not about you. I'm going with you. I am the one doing it. You, do, you ask me these questions. I told you what to do. You told me you're going. And you're saying, I basically don't know what I'm talking about. Think about it. The Almighty is talking to you, telling I'm going to use you. I'm going to go. And you say, I choose somebody else. I want to do it. That's thinking it's up all, all up to you. It's not. He said, is not, so anger was kindled against Moses, and he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth, and you will be his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do, so he shall be your spokesman of the people, and he himself shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. God's idea was that he would be God, and Moses would be the mouthpiece. Most didn't want to do that, so now there's an extra middleman. And you shall take his rod in your hand, which you shall do the signs. We'll flip back over to John and we'll wrap up here. So we see what's going on here. God was saying, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to deliver the people. Now you do such and such. We see Moses working with him some, but also looking at himself way too much. 
See, we're not supposed to do it all ourselves. If we will just, now notice, God got mad at him. Don't take condemnation like, oh yeah, God's just so hard. No, what God is saying, don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you to do and I'll help you. And Moses is putting the brakes on saying, no, you can't help me. Well, after a while, that's what's frustrating him. God's not out of the blue just getting mad at Moses. God's, God's saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you what you need to do. I'm being gracious to you. And you're basically going back and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. He's not just being mean. He's, he's, it's frustrating that he, he needs to get the job done. And Moses is not acting like he knows more. We need to work with him. So go back to uh, verse 4, John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. See? We can't bear fruit apart from him, so let's not try. Let's do what he told us to do. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. This, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. How are we going to bear much fruit? It's going to be by abiding in Him and letting Him abide in us and do what He needs to do on the earth and hook up with Him. And do what He has called us to do in His ability, in His strength, in His name. Do, hook up with Him, be abiding in Him, and then carry out what He is doing. Just be the vessel He's flowing through. Don't try to do it in your, your own ability. Glory to God. He's faithful. Anything He asks us to do, all the resources and the ability are there to do it. So our response is, here we go, not I can't. And that's how we bear fruit.